This is the Falcon Twin Podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, and this is commentary for pages 132 to 151. Page 132, good eatings. So we've obviously left the last scene with everyone walking, and now they've all arrived and set up camp and have cooked some sort of cat-like creature, and Tresca's offering Mika the leg. If you look in the background, it's not all that great, but you can see a little lake off to the right, which is presumably where they're going to wash up and everything. Mika deals with the food, which is not particularly appetizing. You can see if you look, there's still hair on it and everything, and Mika's kind of having a problem with it. Tresca, not so much, and I assume Evan's probably used to that kind of food, too. And Mika, of course, being one who was born and raised sleeping in comfy beds all her life, she has some problems with the idea of sleeping on the ground. Not a whole lot else to say about this page. Page 133. Now, this obviously is one of the few pages that I've done in full color, and it kind of looks all right. I really like Mika's rant here, which is very fun. I've only done a couple of them throughout the strip, but when I do get the opportunity to do them, I really like them, especially this one, which is just all negative all the time, and it's sort of this rambling stream of consciousness of how pissed off Mika is about her situation, and she hates the environment, and she hates all the bugs and the food and everything. I like the grass underneath Mika in panel one and panel two in the ground, and everything looks kind of nice. Also, the title on this page is a reference to... Uh, well, I'm not going to tell you, but it is a reference to something, not a movie this time. And obviously the main attraction on this page is panel three, this giant nebula with the stars and everything in the background. And this was not even so much an homage to Greg Barton as just a direct result of some tutorials that he had published, which are very useful. You should go check them out. There's a link in the comments below the strip. One of the things that I really like about this is not even so much the nebula and the planet, but the stars behind them. And as I've mentioned before, I'm looking at this on a Mac, so maybe it's a little bit easier to see because of the, the gamma and the brightness of the screen. But if you look at the stars in the background, I think they look really good and, and really does sort of look like a, a very dense star field. And that was one thing that if you grow up in a city area, you don't really get to see. But once you get out in the country before the moon rises, the stars are just incredible. And I think I was able to capture a little bit of that. Obviously, the nebula is a little bit more prominent in this particular page, and the planet out there, Terlith uh, Hydreer, is it? Yes, it is. That was really just to establish that this really isn't Earth, although, you know, I guess it could be some alternate dimension form of it, but definitely is not that Mika's just been, you know, sent back in time or forward in time or anything like that. She's definitely somewhere else. And it was obviously also an opportunity to do some really kind of interesting, nice-looking stuff that was a little bit of a change from the usual. If you look at the bottom of this particular panel, you can also see some mountains there, which I was going to say they're unnecessary, but I don't really think they are unnecessary. It sort of gives you an idea of how the sky relates to the ground. Also on this page, I mentioned that there was a lot of downtime, and the downtime was one of the sort of irritating things that happened with my last provider, and it was one of the reasons that I decided to ultimately not stick around with them, because they were going to upgrade all the servers and said that it shouldn't be any real problem. And then they upgraded the servers, and all of a sudden, Falcon Twin went down. And so I emailed them about it, and they said, yeah, we'll look into it, and they didn't do anything. And so eventually I started doing some digging, and I discovered that the databases hadn't been copied over to the new server. And so I said, hey, you know, the databases weren't copied over. You said you were going to do that. Would you please do it for Falcon Twin? And they said, yeah, okay, databases. Yeah, sure, okay, cool. And a day went by... And then another day went by, and I emailed them again, and I said, hey, you know, databases, I need them. My site doesn't work without them. Would you please copy them over? And these are the, you know, MySQL users you need to set up, their passwords and everything. You know, please do this, like you said you were going to do. And they're like, yeah, cool, databases, yeah, awesome, okay. 
another couple of days go by and nothing happens. And eventually I get irritated with them and, and eventually say, you know, what the hell's going on? Are you going to you know copy these things or what? And he says, yeah, okay, we'll just, you know, create some databases on the new server and we'll copy them over. And I was like, well, fuck, I could have done that myself. And, you know, this goes to prove my point that if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. And in retrospect, it was kind of my fault. Falcon Twin was down for like a week. It was kind of my fault that I didn't just look into it and realize that the databases had been, you know, lost and then just put them back up. There was a naming conflict because the original database names were not names that I could create anymore. And I guess I was too lazy to go update the PHP file that had the names, which in retrospect was really stupid. I could have had the whole site back up and running in probably a day if I had you know, sat down and, and worked through it. But instead I went back and forth and the site was down for a week and traffic dropped precipitously and didn't really recover for a while if it ever has at all. Page 134, you named your home after dirt because apparently they have the word earth in this English language that they so conveniently speak, but they don't call their planet earth and this is more exposition, like I mentioned on the previous page about this not being earth, and also reinforces the idea that they don't really have any idea what's out there. Sort of like, you know, how we were hundreds of years ago. We could tell that there were other things out there, but there wasn't really a lot that we could tell about them. And presumably they have telescopes. The guy in Chapter 5 has glasses, so they have optics, and hence, I assume, telescopes. So they can probably look at it and see that it's a water planet, and you can kind of see it with the naked eye, too. But they don't really know much else about it beyond that. So Mika looks glum in the last panel of this page. Moving on to page 135, Bach Report which I think is maybe one of the best titles in the entire strip. It really is the most wonderful pun possibly of all time across all of human history. It's really great. Now this is a quick transition from the last scene, and that's something I do a lot in Falcon Twin. There are a lot of times that I just go straight from one scene into the next scene without necessarily much of a coda to the scene. I don't really spend a lot of time, you know, people walking off at the sunset. Once the scene's over, I kind of move on. Mainly just because, you know, it takes so long to tell a story at this pace anyway that I would rather just get on with it and assume that people are intelligent enough to understand that the scenes have changed. There are some chibis here, but these ones I actually kind of like. Mika looks actually fairly good. The realistic-looking Mika on the left at the top looks fairly good. The face and the posture and everything and the way that her vest is kind of flying out to the sides looks very nice. And then I also love the two chibis, which... Mika, her determined look as she totally misses Evan altogether, and Evan's puzzled look. And then his sort of irritated look in the second chibi panel where he smacks her on the head. I can't say the characters look too good through the rest of the, the page, although I guess Evan's kind of all right in the final panel. And, you know, there's more training to establish that Mika is going to get better with her sword and, you know, be able to kick ass at some later point. Page 36, something about exposing yourself. The characters are starting to look a little bit better here. And some of the backgrounds are all right. You can see that Mika's fairly proficient with this little practice thing that they're doing. Not spectacular, but she, she seems to be learning fairly quickly, which is important, obviously, for what's going to happen in Chapter 4. Another thing here, I'm looking at the colors, and the colors have been not tremendously impressive. And part of that was that at the time of this particular page, and you know, all the way up through about midway through Chapter 4, all I was doing was just throwing a color layer and then possibly a curves layer onto the pages after I had shaded them in black and white. And the problem with doing that is that if you're only limited to a color balance layer, you pretty much have one color for the light areas, one color for the medium areas, and one color for the dark areas. 
and your light areas pretty much have to be some variant of red, otherwise the character's skin looks very strange. You end up with these sickly yellowish tints and everything just looks very odd. Which is why the colors, if you notice through these parts of the, the strip, don't really change a whole lot because you, know, you can't really change them too much. So we get pink lights and then uh, greenish blue, mediums and darks. And I think this is supposed to be towards the morning. So that's why it's a little bit more pink than some of the other pages have been. But I can say that at least it looks better than the black and white stuff. As a matter of fact, I was just going back to the Alpha Shade test comic and looking at that. And if you haven't seen it, that's in black and white. And it also has like 45 panels on every single page. And it's really the difference between that and the pages that they're doing now is kind of immense. Not only because the characters look way better and the backgrounds look way better and you know they have a reasonable number of panels on each page but also because the colors really just make a huge difference. Because with everything being black and white, you can't really establish a tone for one area versus another area. So when you're cutting back and forth between two scenes, it's not as clear. And it also helps your eye out so much when you've got large blocks of color that can distinguish one you know, material from another. And so it makes an enormous difference. And I have a big folder of art on my hard drive that other people have made that is inspiring to me. And of that, probably only a handful of images are in black and white. And of all the color images, the ones that I find really, really compelling are the ones that have really great color use. But Falcon Twin doesn't really have any of that. Moving along, page 137, Traces of Civilization. Now, this scene coming up, and oh god, there are chibis on this page too. They just don't quit. Also, gosh, I'm looking at the second to last panel. Here's Mika doing a very anime pose with the hands clasped together and the waterfall tears running down her cheeks. That's really stupid. But this whole scene here and, and coming up was something that wasn't originally planned in Falcon Twin and wasn't something that I originally intended to do. But I decided kind of as I was going along that I really needed it because I needed there to be a more steady progression between what happens to Mika earlier when she's, you know, getting shot at by the terrorists and then, you know, confronted by the bandits and what happens later on when she's kicking the bandits' asses and then, you know, fighting with Sydney. And if she just went from getting, you know, assaulted by the bandits and then kicking their asses the next time she met them, and those are the only two confrontations, it would have just been too big of a leap. So I had to put this scene in here, which was kind of an intermediary scene, and I'll talk a little bit more about it as I, as I go through it. But so this scene was something that, that came up along the way. And I'm looking at the first panel on this page, and I actually kind of like elements of it, particularly the horizon in the back on the right, where you can sort of see it all kind of fades off into a plain with some low mountains, which is a very nice effect. The city and the trees and the mountains here aren't so great. At least the shading on the mountains on the left kind of looks nice, especially compared to the mountains on the right. You can see a very nice light effect there page 138. Actually, I just before I leave this, there's a comment below here. It says, you know, the server's been hacked. And as I was reading through this just a little while ago, I was trying to figure out what that referred to. And then I looked at the date. And this was on April 20th, 2004, which is when I first updated the website from the original design, which I think most people haven't seen because most people who read Falcon Twin now probably came in with Megatokyo. When I ran that ad, which was a couple months from where we are right now, the original design had a really, really dark blue background and then a really dark red borders around everything and a really dark tan background for all the text boxes and all the uh, 
all the strips and gallery entries and things like that. And it was a really ominous and heavy website, and I lightened it up considerably. And I haven't done... Also, actually, I changed some of the, the templates and the PHP and stuff behind it and cleaned that up considerably, too. And I haven't done a real drastic redesign since then. I've updated the style sheets and stuff a little bit, but nothing huge. And I don't know, I try to do an update every April 20th. Whether or not I'm going to do one this year, I don't really know because it doesn't really seem entirely necessary. And I think that I could probably put my work to better use somewhere else. Anyway, back to page 138. So it's Jimmy Hoffa. Oh, you just missed him. That's a reference to Tresca's comment about being in a union in the last panel on this page, which I thought was kind of a funny idea, the idea of all these you know, lawless thieves having a union. And what's really great is her comment, the way that she says she wasn't taking you know, food from starving babies because the union has rules about how often you can do that sort of thing. It's not that you can't do it altogether. You can do it, but you know, only once a month or something. And this is also the scene where Evan finally learns what Tresca's job is and has issues with it, which is sort of playing unfortunately a little bit of the stereotypical religious person confronted with people whose values he disagrees with but ultimately he handles it a lot better than a lot of other people do and even though it's a little bit of a source of friction he gets over it fairly quick which is good because in retrospect i would really not like to harp on that too much page 139 the over reaction that's a movie reference which is awesome and i bet no one gets now this is a scene like i said i brought the guy in just to have mika have a fight and this was kind of a hard scene in a way to write because I'm not the kind of asshole this guy is and I don't really understand how the minds of people like this work. So it was kind of hard for me to come up with something that would make any sense for him to get really mad about. And so he gets really mad because she spilled the, the beer on his clothes. But I don't know. I guess there are people out there who do really flip out about things like that. But man, it's it was a strange thing and I don't know that it worked all right. I guess it did. So the guy you know, totally overreacts and makes totally unreasonable demands. And Mika quietly takes notice of it. It reminds me of some of the studies that have been done about people's behavior in public where you know, horrible, horrible things can be done to people in a crowded area and nothing will happen because everyone else who's standing around looks at it and sort of hopes that someone else will deal with it. And this is that same sort of situation where, you know, it's a crowded restaurant. There are a bunch of people in there, but this guy's, you know, yelling at the waitress and, you know, in the next page or two hitting his wife and doing all these horrible things and no one's really willing to stand up to him. So Mika takes note of this and on to page 140 where he does hit her. And I don't know, I mean, I just don't understand why women hook up with guys like this, but they do time and time again, which just baffles me. So he has his own justification. Now that is something that I guess is kind of legitimate. You do often see people like this who do really insane, stupid things come up with these weird you know, justifications that make it seem as though they're somehow doing the right thing. There's a, a situation here, which I don't know if anyone picked up on, that he makes eye contact with Mika, which, I don't know, now that I look at it, maybe it's impossible to miss, but he does. Mika's looking at him, and he looks over and, and makes eye contact with her, and she looks away real fast, which is what she's doing in the second-to-last panel, and has her own quiet thoughts about this. And Evan tells her to, you know, do something about it. This was also actually right around the time that I won this strange award at Miracosta, which was a, a weird situation. I just got this letter in the, in the mail, and they said, congratulations, you've won. And I had no idea what they were talking about, because it's this weird award where they don't tell anyone about it. Which, I don't know exactly, you know, where they got that idea, but apparently the idea of the award is that you have to be nominated by a teacher. And so they don't want the students to be lobbying the teachers to be nominated. 
and one of my teachers did nominate me, and I, I did win the award along with, I think, 11 other students that year, which was kind of nice. I got to go there and got a little bit of money and uh, got to do a, a short speech in front of the assembled crowd. And the guy who recommended me was Robert Archer, my English teacher, who's a really, really cool guy and, and about the only English teacher on earth who I have any respect for because he doesn't take the whole touchy-feely route. You know, how do you feel about this essay? That kind of stuff. So he's a really great guy, and I don't think he reads it. Although I did mention Falcon Twin to him, uh, but I don't think he reads it. But if he is, hey, Mr. Archer, I thought you did a really great job, so thanks. Page 141, so Mika's trying to weasel out of having to do you know, something about this guy and Tresca and, and Evan are kind of pushing her in the direction of doing it, which sort of follows into the, you know, with great power comes great responsibility business insofar as, you know, if you are going to fight people, then you have to fight people and you have to do it for the right reason, which is kind of the point that Evan and Tresca are making. And also Evan's point that you can't just let people push you around because they're bigger than you, which is what I do. So I don't know. At any rate, this ended up sort of being a kind of nice, happy coincidence where Tresca ties it back into when she first rescued Mika in the same sort of situation where she didn't know Mika, but still saved her ass. And, you know, now it's time for Mika to go do the same thing for these other people who are in trouble. And Mika is obviously stung by Tresca's criticism. And there's a nice, poignant, I guess if you take this really seriously, shot on the last panel on page 141. Page 142, so Mika stands up and sort of formally apologizes. I imagine it'd be a little more formal if she were speaking in Japanese or something. And Tresca looking very strange in panel two, particularly her eyes, which are weird, telling Mika not to, to take her sword with her, which Mika freaks out. And I don't know exactly what she was planning to do, just walk up and stab him right through the chest or something, which probably would have gotten her sent to prison. But I think it would probably be a, a decent thing to do because the guy kind of deserves it. The only thing is that I don't really know how you deal with people like this. And so Evan and Tresca are telling me to go over and, you know, stop the guy. But I don't really know what they expect her to do. And, and, you know, you hear this kind of thing a lot. And what do you do with a guy like that if, you know, you can't just kill him and beating him up is probably not an option? Then I don't really know how you're supposed to deal with people like that. At any rate, Mika gives her sword to Tresca because, you know, Tresca's not going to let her have it and walks over. Page 143, so Mika walks up and... Guy's pissed off and pissed off at everyone, even though he doesn't know who she is. He's pissed off at her, too. And Mika just kind of walks up and tells him to just stop it. Which, like I said, is I, that's about as much as I would be able to do, too. Because I don't know how you negotiate with a person like that. Like I said, short of just you know beating the crap out of them or, or killing them. So if, if you know, please, by all means, post on the forums or something. Because I'd be really curious to know. Anyhow, so Mika just walks up and orders the guy around. He doesn't take too kindly to that. Mika's little internal monologue exposing her feelings, not in thought bubbles here, just because I happen to have large amounts of black space that I could conveniently overlay the text on. And then Mika tries to assert some authority, and hey, look, more chibis. What was I thinking? But again, you know, and Tresca and Evan are, are lamenting why Mika's handling this so a-diplomatically, and yet I don't really know how you would handle that kind of situation diplomatically. The guy's already kind of made it into a confrontation. And this last panel is, I don't think he's buying it, which seems like a really bad time to do a joke, and it really wasn't all that funny, so I probably would have not done it again if I were going to go back and do this all over again, which I'm not. And a couple of people have asked, uh, but I cover that in another podcast. I'm not going back and doing pages again. That's the short version of it. Page 144, and the title of this page is a reference to an earlier strip title about punching people in the face. 
And the dude is really pissed off at Mika. And I think he was probably going to hit her. I don't think he was really going to, you know, beat the crap out of her. But he might have, you know, clocked her one. And Mika gets nervous and, and nails him in the nuts. But the point here is that she doesn't really, like, pound him in the nuts. She just sort of thumps him. Not hard enough to really, you know, drop the guy straight to the floor. And that just makes him more angry. And he does decide to beat the ever-living crap out of her. If you look in the last panel, you can see that the blood isn't 100% opaque because I wanted to make Mika's mouth visible through the blood, which otherwise would have completely covered it up. Page 145, unmodeled peel. That's a little aural joke that doesn't really make sense until you pronounce it out loud. So Mika falls back to the ground, and he's already flattened her nose pretty good, and there's a lot of blood, which I think may have been a little bit excessive for a split second after she hit the ground, but hey, why not? So there she is with her nose all smashed to bits, and the guy's not going to stop so he grabs her arm and decides to keep hitting her and there's this little moment of internal monologue for Mika to reflect on how screwed she is. In the last panel there's also a nice thing too if you look in the flash where the guy's hitting her you can see one of her tooth having come out and flying through the air. Page 146 so this is only going to last so long before Tresca finally decides to handle the situation herself and kicks the guy in the head then kicks the guy in the face and decides to beat the crap out of him which is something that Tresca, you know, can be pretty scary when she gets really mad, but it's not something that happens a whole lot with her, and so she decides to give him a little taste of his own medicine. It's a fairly straightforward scene, not too much to say that's very profound. Page 147, Evan right behind Tresca, pulling her off, and you'll be able to see that she really did a number on the guy's face in the next page, I guess. So Tresca looks totally ridiculous in panel two, doesn't she? And there's a nice background thing, actually. If you look in panel one, you can see a person in their next booth leaning over and kind of looking at them. Again, as I mentioned before, not actually doing anything because, you know, God forbid they get involved. And then also in panel four, if you look, there are people in the background who have kind of gathered and are staring but are keeping a respectful distance while Tresca examines Mika's totally shattered nose. And in the last panel, there's a thing about Mika picking up all her teeth, which I think I actually did just on a technical reason that I didn't want to have there be a, a thing where people were saying, well, what if she forgot her teeth at the bar or the restaurant? And I don't think anyone really cares. It's one of those weird attention to detail things that really just doesn't matter. But that's what that was. Page 148. So the guy doesn't really know when to quit. And his wife, for some reason, is actually concerned whether or not you know he's all right. And in panel two of this page, you can see that Tresca really did a pretty good number on the guy's face. He's kind of messed up. It reminds me of that scene in of course, Fight Club, where Ed Norton beats the ever-living crap out of Angel Face, which was an interesting scene because if you listen to the commentary for that film, David Fincher talks about the British film censors having a, an issue with that scene, and they were saying, we think this goes on too long, and it disturbed us, and, and David Fincher said, well, you idiots, that's the point. It's not supposed to be something that you think is great. It's some, something you're supposed to look at and say, this is messed up. This is not you know, an endorsement of how wonderful Fight Club is and you know, what an empowering thing it is. It's a, a thing that tells you that, hey, this is kind of questionable, and there are people who are doing things that they really ought not to be doing and taking advantage of the, the whole situation, which is also a thing that occurs through Falcon Twin, and I don't know that people pick up on it as much as they do. And there are a couple of scenes, and I think if you've read the comic, you probably know which ones I'm talking about, that are coming up that are exactly that sort of thing, where the violence is way over the top, not only because I think violence looks really cool, but also because, you know, people aren't supposed to react to it and say, hey, great, awesome, wonderful. They're supposed to react to it and, and say, wow, that's fucked up. These people have, you know, real issues that they need to deal with. And uh, some people kind of, 
understood it, but I don't think that anyone really understood that that was the point of having these, you know, the, some of the extreme violence that goes on was, you know, it was supposed to condemn the violence, not say, hey, this is wonderful. Anyway, back to this page. The guy obviously doesn't know when to take a hint and give up, so he takes a swing at Evan, who does a little bit of his kung fu, which we don't actually get to see a whole lot of, but, you know, he can take care of himself. So a nice little joint lock and slams the guy's face into the divider between the benches. And Tresca, you know, tells Evan what's what's going to happen, and so we know how this scene ends. If you look in the final panel, you can see that there are a bunch of people, again, like in the last page, looking at them as they slowly wander out of the bar. Page 149, so we see a nice big shift in the color scheme to blue, and Evan and Tresca give a little synopsis of what actually happened, which is great, because I didn't have to actually show any of it. Not that I really intended to, anyway. Not a whole heck of a lot to say about this page. I like the second-to-last panel with Mika there alone by herself and framed by the window in the bed. And actually, the bed looks kind of good in this, this page, too. There's also mention of the teeth being reinstated, which is another thing that you can do if you've got you know a high-enough-level healer, I suppose. Page 150, a little programming reference there in the title of this page. So Mika decides that she's going to beat herself up over this. And, and kind of unnecessarily so, but also... In a way, I think that she probably, there is a point to what she's saying that really she should have taken it a little more seriously because it's possible that in you know some circumstances it could wind up with very serious repercussions if she doesn't take it seriously when she's fighting, which is a lesson that she kind of had to learn. And there's a reference, Tresca says that Mika's not going to die just because she lost one fight, which was a little bit of a reference to what happened in the prologue because everyone knows how that went panned out. A little bit of fan service too with Tresca, but you know, hey, fan service is always good. I like it. And Tresca decides that she's going to cheer Mika up a little bit with this coin because I guess Tresca's been taking all of Mika's money. Not that Mika really had any money, but decides that she's going to give Mika some, some cash, which is, I, I think, a pretty paltry sum. It's probably, I don't know exactly what the denomination is of the currency that she's giving Mika right now, but it's probably not much, probably a, you know a buck or two at most. So Mika wonders why Tresca's being so nice to her. And the reason that Tresca's being so nice to her is that Tresca's a nice person although she looks very strange in panel one. Um, but Tresca is just a nice person, and Mika kind of misinterprets it, although really subconsciously, because at this time she's still not fully come to terms with her feelings for Tresca. Anyway, look on the right side of the page, panel two, panel four, nice fan service there for the folks back home. And we close off this chapter with a nice sort of sappy scene. Coming up next, boobies! Yes, the scene that everyone loves so much, and I'll talk about that then. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bman at falcontwin.com or leave a post in the forums. So there.